Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Welcome to a special episode of this podcast recorded live at the Spoke Street Media booth during Seek 2023 in St. Louis. To find more shows recorded at Seek, search for The Seek Podcast in your favorite podcast app. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the All Things Catholic Podcast. I'm your host, Edward Sree, here on location in St. Louis at the Seek 23 Conference. It has been amazing being here with dozens of bishops, hundreds and hundreds of priests, and 17,000 young people here at the Dome downtown St. Louis. And uh, I have two very special guests. First of all, every once in a while, I have my dear wife, Beth, on the show. Welcome, Beth. Thank you, dear husband. Good to be with you. And today we have a very special guest, someone that everybody knows. You know him from Ascension Presents. You know him from Bible in a Year. You know him from now the Catechism of the Year, which just launched. We have with us Father Mike Schmitz. Welcome. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Great to have you back on the show, Father. Now, many people know Father from all these amazing things he does with faith formation. They know him from YouTube and podcasts. But most importantly, Father is a father. And I want to talk just a little bit about that before we get into our topic. topic, We're going to talk a lot about what Father Mike does in marriage prep. If you're a young couple coming to Father Mike and uh, and, and, in marriage prep and the formation he offers, we're going to talk a lot about preparing for marriage, the beautiful sacrament. But before we get into that, today I want to just say a few words about Father Mike is a father. And I, I hear from many focused missionaries and students that are there at the University of Duluth and how much he pours his life into them. He does so many things, touching people's lives around the world through social media, and it's incredible. But first and foremost, he's a father. And I, one story I'm going to just share, Father, is last year, we, you know, we, we weren't able to be together the last two years for Seek because of the pandemic at all. But we were doing Seek online, and we had, we had, we had a, a gathering in Denver. There were about a little over 1,000 people there, and uh, a lot of speakers were so excited, like myself. I was there in Denver, so excited to present and talk to real people and see their faces. It was amazing. But Father was invited to come and present there in Denver, but he turned it down. Why? Because he's a father. Fatherhood. (laughs) So years ago, you know, it's so funny you say this, that the first thing that is true is that uh, fatherhood. When I was in seminary, actually, even in in undergrad, I studied theology just in a normal Catholic college. But in seminary especially, I remember they would tell us, they would say this again and again. They would say, um, you're not being ordained to be a sacrament dispenser. Like, you're not ordained to just give the sacraments out. And I'm like, okay, but they never had a, a description of what we were being ordained to be or to do. And so they, the best they could come up with is you're being ordained to have a ministry of presence. I'm like, okay, I guess, you know, but, but you're not going to be at the sacrament dispenser. That's not what the priesthood is. It's kind of like a ministry of presence, but there was no thing that was captivating, no thing that was sufficient as a description of what is a priest. This is coming from the seminary. Now, seminaries are even better now. This was 20 years ago. Um, they're better now. It wasn't until I was ordained for a bunch of years that one of my brothers, and I was even on campus for a bunch of years, one of my brothers in the priesthood was like, oh yeah, well, I'm ordained to be a father. And it was like all the lights came on because I'd been living like that for years on campus because I get to be with college students every day. Like this is not normal life 
just FYI. <laughs> Normal life is just like getting up and just being in students' lives. And I remember the, the day that um, I walked into the, our little Newman house. We just have a little Newman house with a little two-car garage that's converted into a daily mass chapel. And I walked, and I live there. And so I walked in. One of our missionaries, her name is Tracy Kalesa. Tracy, she, I walked in the room and she's like, oh, hey, dad. Aww. And I was like, no, hi. <laughs> <laughs> and I just had to go into my room and just like cry. I'm like, that was, but that, that, and that was something that just so many of those missionaries and students have embraced like, oh, hey, dad. And I didn't realize that that is the heart of the priesthood. There is nothing, nothing more core to the priesthood than fatherhood. Mm-hmm. It's not, yes, sac- but as a part of that is sacraments, right? Because what do fathers do? They provide, they protect, they heal, they, they feed. And that's what a priest is supposed to do through the sacraments. But also, you have to be present or else you're an absentee father. And that's one of the big fears that I have a lot of times because of all the other stuff, whether that be a podcast or whether that be like going to a conference is like, yeah, yeah, he's our dad. He's just not here a lot. And that's one of my biggest fears. And so that's one of the reasons why whenever I see our students, I'm like, you guys, I'm so sorry. I'll see you back at UMD. <laughs> but it was totally the same thing, right? In the home. So I, I'm traveling. Yeah, yeah. I lead a pilgrimage. I'm here. And, and, and that's my biggest thing as well. And that's the constant conversation we have in our marriage with our spiritual directors. What am I doing? How much we can do? And there's different seasons when yeah. I can do a little more and seasons when I'm needed more at home. But that's my biggest fear as well is I don't want I got some of my kids out here and I, I don't want them to say, but dad just wasn't there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Dad wasn't around. Dad but you also there. work hard to make sure you get back in time for, say, Sunday Mass or Saturday night. Like, I don't know if you know this. Yeah. My husband's a machine. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> so he just goes and goes. But he has certain things like he will go extra to be home with us yeah. and for us. And it's really lovely. I remember hearing Father Larry Richards years ago before I started traveling a bunch. And he said one thing he's always back. He's always back by Saturday night for the weekend masses. So it's like, okay, that's it. Then that's the deal. I'll never, ever miss a Sunday mass. I missed one this last fall because for the worst reason in the world, I was in a cross, Vikings? I was in a CrossFit competition. Oh, <laughs> and so I got, I got a priest to fill in for me in the morning for the morning mass. But, um, we didn't even podium. We didn't even make get third place, like fourth. Anyways, it was fine. But, um, but it was still in town. So I got to be around. <laughs> Very good. Well, just a little bit about Father Mike's heart. Can I share one more story about your fatherhood? These are things yes. you know, that I keep hearing about, which is great. Uh, the last time we were all together for Seek, it was in 2020, January, and it was down in Phoenix. Yeah. And, you know, again, Father Mike gives his keynote and everyone's talking to him, which is great. And then most people would just fly in, fly out. You do the conference and then you leave. What did Father Mike do? Afterwards, they rented an Airbnb or something, and you were yeah. there with all of your students for a couple of days. It was awesome. Did a re- like a little retreat with them. Yeah. And, and, and not only that, you were rolling up your sleeves. You're in there cooking pasta, cooking for all the students. I mean, like a dad. It really it, it is very inspiring to hear. And I think that's important because I, I want all the young people here, because I don't know if you get this question. I get this question all the time. How can I become a Catholic Catholic speaker? How can I become a Catholic, you know, influencer? And, you know, if, if God calls you to do these things, then, you know, then that's great. But the most important thing, more than anything we do on a stage, more than anything we may do on a screen or on a podcast, it's being father. It's being present to the people, right, that God has put in your life. And on the, on the last day, I know God's not going to, you know, I go to my judgments, you know, before God. He's not going to say, hey, that was really good what you wrote on page 72. <laughs> you yeah. know, that, that was a really nice YouTube video. No, he's going to ask me, 
was was I a good husband? Was I a good father more than anything else? And I think that that's relatable in the priesthood well, as well. I think what, with John of the Cross, what does he say? He says, in the twilight of our lives, we will be judged on love alone. And so that, that sense of does not matter. Um, so many of the things that we use to judge or rank ourselves um, as being successes or failures will not matter at all. In the twilight of our lives, we'll be judged on love alone. Number one podcast in the world, though. I mean, religious podcast. <laughs> no, won't, won't that get you a, a I, little further ahead? <laughs> I, you know, you, I, I, this is not and uh, not false humility, just reminding myself of the truth. You know, St. Paul said that, right? St. Paul says, I can be, uh, I can speak in the tongues of men and of angels. If I don't have love, I'm nothing. Mm. And same thing. Here's the Lord Jesus. What does he say? He says that you come to him and say, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out demons in your name? Mm. And so, yeah, but I didn't do my, the will of my father. I never knew you. And that's, that's the, that's the reality for every one of us, right? There can be, and I know there's fruit that's coming out of these podcasts, which is amazing. But that's fruit of God. That's not, that's just, I'm just lending a voice um, because I didn't write a word of it, right? It's just like, and <laughs> some people, hey, it's not my Bible. I'm like, I just want you to know, disclaimer, I didn't write this. Just, um, but it's the power of God. Um, but if you don't have love, it's, it's literally, it's nothing. It doesn't mean anything. Amen. So speaking of love, we want to talk about marriage here today. And I would love to just get to hear, like, if, if this was a younger Edward Bestry <laughs> and we're going to come to marriage prep with Father Mike, yeah. what, what, do you, what do you do? What do you walk people through when, you, when well, you're preparing them for first marriage? first, we'd have syllabus day. And the syllabus day, I have a checklist of all the things you need to make sure you've done. And uh, they'll go through the whole list. Like, have you got a parish? Have you talked to the priest there? All these kind of pieces. And then say, tell me about your story. How'd you guys meet? I don't know if you want to do that. We could. Well, that, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> that would be the whole podcast. And then once we get past syllabus day, then we'll, one of the things we'll do is, is I have, then I have lecture day. Syllabus day is first day. And then lecture day is the second day. The second day is, um, say, which I just present to them a Catholic theology of marriage. And that Catholic theology of marriage is, is basically to kind of get everyone on the same page when it comes to some of the three big buckets, marriage as a covenant, marriage as a sacrament, and marriage as a vocation. And so marriage as a, as a covenant, one of the things we just want to affirm and, and assert more than anything else is that marriage is not a contract. So one of the, you, probably all, you probably heard people say things like, um, we don't need to get married because I don't need a piece of paper to prove that I love this person. And maybe you've even said that kind of thing. And the church will say, you're right. You don't need a piece of paper to prove that you love someone. That's a contract. And a contract is really good. Contractors are super helpful. A contract is what? A contract is an agreement for an exchange of goods or services based off of a condition. So a contract is an agreement for an exchange of goods or services based off a condition. So if I need to re-roof the house, the contractor comes over, contractor, and um, <laughs> there's a contract. And the contract says, uh, give me this much money. I will re-roof the house. Then you pay me this much money. Great. In agreement for an exchange of goods or services based off a condition. And the condition is, if you don't re-roof the house, I don't owe you money. And if you don't pay me the money, I won't re-roof the house. Like, so if you don't do your part, I don't have to do my part. And that's the great thing about a contract is, that, again, agreement for exchange of goods or services based off a condition. And too many people go into marriage with that idea. Now, a lot of times people are deep, like these folks, you're deep. And you're like, so you might hear like the idea of like, having a contractual approach to marriage. And you're like, no, 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 I don't have that. Because the, the shallow version is, well, as long as you stay cute, I'll keep coming home. Like that, that's shallow. And it's like, no, 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 I'm deeper than that. Okay, how about, how about this deep? How about as long as you're kind to me, I'll be kind to you. As long as you're patient with me, I'll be patient with you. As long as you're faithful to me, I'll be faithful to you. And when we start getting to those places, then even deep couples are like, well, that's kind of where I'm at. Like, 
If they're not faithful to me, then I don't have to be faithful to them. If they're not faithful to me, this marriage is over. That's a contract mentality when it comes to marriage because a covenant mentality is what God reveals to us in the Bible. And the covenant is, if a contract is an agreement for an exchange of goods or services, I'll do this for you if you do this for me, based off a condition, a covenant is an exchange of persons that's unconditional. Basically, God says, I'll be your God, you be my people. That's it. I'm yours and you're mine. And so when a husband and wife or man and woman stand before each other to get married, they're not saying, I'll do this for you if you do this for me. In fact, actually, my, my uncle, my uncle uh, used to work out in Hollywood before he passed away. He was, uh, you know the TV show Full House? Yeah. yeah. So he was one of the writers for Full House. Oh. And Sister Sister, he did that. He's got a couple different Hallmark uh, Christmas movies is just awesome. Anyways, so, but he uh, is, if you know, remember Full House, how like there's all one-liners, everything's one-liner. So he got married outside the church where he and his wife wrote their own vows. And so all of his vows were a joke. It was like, and, and Michelle, I'll do this if you do this. And I'll do this if you do this. And was, everyone's just laughing because it's super funny. And uh, I mean, I remember laughing at the time too. I thought it was hilarious. But then realizing, oh, every one of his vows was a condition. Even though it was funny, even though it was entertaining, even though there's some meaning to it, every one of the vows was a condition versus when you get married in the Catholic church, there's no condition. You just say, I, Jack, take you, Jill, to be my wife. And I, Jill, take you, Jack, to be my husband. I'm yours and you're mine. And to realize is that even if you walk away, even if you don't do the thing you said you would do, we're still married. Because there was no, there's no, you can't actually void a covenant. You can void a contract, but you can't void a covenant. And, you know, Chesterton talks about this. Chesterton says, he said, people get so mad at the Catholic Church because the church forces people to promise forever when they get married. <laughs> he says, but wait a second. That's what love wants to do. Like love wants to promise forever. So even if you weren't in the church, you would want, if you got married, you'd want to promise forever. Because love wants, I mean, so I always joke with our couples and say, I, it'd be like me saying, okay, here's what I have. I have the, the three different ver, the versions of the vows. I have the three-year vows, the seven-year vows, and the forever vows. So don't make any quick decisions. <laughs> Just like pray about it, talk about it. Let me know which vows you wanted to give next time you come back. And if someone, would, if someone were to say like, I like those seven-year vows. The other person says, well, I, I'm, not, I'm not here to give you my 20s. Like that's not what I'm promising you, my 20s. I'm promising you either I want to love you for the rest of my life, no matter what, or we need to go separate ways because mm. that's what the heart, human heart wants. And the crazy thing is the human heart also wants what? Unconditional love. Where do you have the opportunity to actually love someone unconditionally? To promise that no matter what happens, I will love you unconditionally without a condition. I can never void, no matter how bad you leave fail, it will never actually void my love for you. Mm. Sacrament of matrimony. And so the deepest desire of the human heart Actually, the church gives you a way to promise that and gives you a way to live that out. Love wants to make a vow and yeah. have that total yeah. commitment. And love wants to be received. I want that other person to be committed to me. That's what we're longing for. And the heavy, that, heavy part about that is then even if that person walks away, even if they the other, it's a risk. It's a huge risk because the person who covenants themselves to you, they might just change their mind. And to realize that if they change their mind and walk away... You're still married. If they change your mind and walk away and get married to someone else, you're still married to them. That means that even if they walk away, you're not free to date. You're not free to pursue any other romantic relationship. You're a married person and your spouse happens to live somewhere else. 
And that's the heaviness because the great part about it is like, oh my gosh, you're made for this. This is incredible. And this is the risk. But that's the part of it too, is that one of the things we realize, in, we keep accenting this when it comes to matrimony. I don't know how many different weddings I've been part of where it's like, what you're watching is you're watching two people risking their entire future for this person sitting next to them. That's, that's what's happening. Every time someone gets married, they're risking, they have no idea. They know that the person they're marrying is a flawed human being. They know the person they're marrying is broken. They know they're broken. And yet they're saying, if this doesn't work, nothing will work. Hmm. Yeah, and it's a big risk. You worry the other person could leave. But you know, I think many Catholics could come together and go, I don't think the other person is going to leave. They have some yeah. confidence. But there's still a risk of this other person is going to hurt me. Yeah. This other person is going to let me down. This other person is going to make mistakes. And uh, I'm going to be frustrated. And, and that's, I think that's the reality of married life. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, And, and you're constantly being invited in those moments to actually love. So I just, I, we, we just gave a talk on marriage earlier today, actually. And I shared a story. Uh, just uh, that I, I wrote Beth a letter recently. Just I left it, left it on the like pillow yesterday. Yesterday, <laughs> <laughs> really recently. Very recently, yeah. yeah. And, and I and one of the lines was I just said you know I was just very I was in prayer and I just thought I'm going to write my wife a letter here. He this doesn't morning. do that every day. Uh, yeah, this doesn't happen every day. <laughs> I wish. I wish. <laughs> but I but in the letter I was just thinking of her a number of things. But I said and I want to thank you for being so patient with me when I was so impatient with you. Mm. And, and I think that's something in, in, in marriage, going back to the contract thing, if marriage is a contract, it's like, well, I'll be, I'll be kind to you if, if you're kind to me. And yeah. I'll be patient with you if you're patient. Well, I, I, I wasn't patient with my wife recently. <laughs> uh, and, and I apologized. And, but she was very patient in the way that she handled it. Like yeah. she didn't just get, why are you being this way? You know, she just came and was calm and just said, you know, are you sure you want to? <laughs> she called me on it, but in a very gentle way. But that, that's the real stuff of married life. And the word vulnerable, which you're talking about, the vulnerability, it hit me recently. Like, you get back to the roots of that. Vulnus means to be able to be wounded. Yeah. So we like to praise vulnerability in our modern days. Like, oh, be authentic, be real, be vulnerable. But you're vulnerable as someone, they can come in and hurt you even more. Yeah. And, and that's, what, that's what you open yourself up to when you get the ring and say the vows. And one thing I like to compare marriage to is the um, roller coaster at Disneyland, Space Mountain. Are you familiar with that? Space Mountain is marriage because you and your spouse get in that car and you buckle yourself in. You are there together 100% and you don't know where you're going because yeah. <laughs> it's in the dark. The roller coaster in the dark. You could be going up. You could be going down. You could be going sideways, upside down. You don't know what you're going to hit in your marriage. You know, you could struggle with infertility, hyperfertility, child with special needs. You could have a sick spouse. You know, you could have greater tragedy. You just don't know when you make that vow to one another, when you're rooted in Christ, what journey your love is going to take you on. But that's the beauty of it. It reminds me of that, that quote you often like to mention from St. Francis de Sales. Yes. Um, in marriage, one takes a vow, but it is the only instance where a vow is taken without a novitiate. Because if there were a novitiate for marriage, how few would enter into it? <laughs> Did he it. actually say that? He yeah, actually said that. It's one of, one of his letters. That's great. Yeah. Because you're great? thrown into it, right? Yeah. And, and right. you have to all of a sudden, you know, you think you know the person and you do to a certain level. But then you're thrown you're into really this reality know. called marriage. And all of a sudden, all these other things pop up in the first months in the first years after a few kids and, and and it's like whoa this is a lot harder than we ever we, we ever imagined one you know thing I mean? someone wrote in a card on our wedding day which I have written many times um, is the quote saying the 
priesthood, which is analogous to marriage, has been more terrible and more wonderful than I ever imagined. Here's to you. T- you're terrible and wonderful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so true. Completely. You, just, you don't know till you're in it. There's a, I, I make the analogy a bunch of times when, when people are coming into the church. So a lot of times when people are RCIA, I don't know, is, is anyone here in RCIA right now? A couple Ooh, of people. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so what, what can happen sometimes is as we're getting closer and closer to the Easter vigil is there's this like, I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know if I'm ready. And I remember uh, re- one year in our diocese, we had six men, seven men ordained to the priesthood, which is really big for the diocese of Duluth. And I went back, I said backstage, went back to the sacristy, talked to some of these guys. And I was like, Hey, um, so how are you guys feeling? Are you ready? And, uh, are you prepared? And one of the brothers, he looks and he says, well, I'm sufficiently prepared. <laughs> That's an amazing answer because there is no way to be prepared. There's no way to be prepared for the, light, the priesthood. There's no way to be prepared for what God's calling you to as a Catholic. And there's no way to be prepared completely for marriage, but I can be sufficiently prepared. And that's... That's part of what marriage prep is all about is that, okay, I, there is going to be curveballs that I could never anticipate, but I'm sufficiently prepared to be able to take a swing. Anything else you do in your oh, yeah. you so have the syllabus, go, you have the class. The beginning of covenant. We haven't <laughs> gotten to a sacrament and vocation there. And then, oh man, I love this thing called the, we, we use the focus inventory which stands for Facilitating Open Couple Communication, Understanding, and Study. And so basically, they take about 162 uh, statements and say, I agree with this, I disagree with this, I'm uncertain. So my future spouse and I have discussed and agreed the way we'll make use of credit in our financial relationship or something like this. Um, And so we go through all of those, and that becomes kind of the skeleton for talking about big, big things. Because one of my favorite, well, a couple of favorite questions or statements. One is, there are certain behaviors and habits in my future spouse that sometimes annoy me. Super fun. I love that one because the preferred answer is yes. The preferred answer is agree. Like, yes, there are certain behaviors and habits in my future spouse that sometimes annoy me. And the organization wants you to say yes, because it means a, the shine is worn off. Like, you know, the person's not perfect. B, um, they know that, you know, (laughs) that they're not perfect and C, you're free to be actually be able to say that Yes. because it's one thing to kind of like, I know, you know, but don't say anything about this. Another thing to be like, yo, yeah, we can joke about this. So then I used to say, oh, okay, so what is the thing about each other that you find annoying? And I don't do that anymore. What I do is I say instead, um, so what is it that you think Ted would say about Ooh, you? That's good. And that's better that's because really they get to good. own it themselves yes, yes. as opposed to <laughs> let me get started, you know, right. <laughs> actually, and they say, actually, then that never bothers me. And not as much as this, you know, Anyways. Um, but then the next question, the next question is, is, was potentially devastating. So the first one is kind of lighthearted. Certain behaviors or habits sometimes annoy me. The next question is, there are parts of my future spouse's character that I do not respect. Mm. And that one is just, whenever that's flagged, it's like, yes, I agree with that. It's like, okay. Um, so I don't know if you accidentally said, and, but we just dive into it because you have to talk about this. Mm. Because um, have you guys heard of a guy, guy named Dr. John Gottman? Yes. Dr. John Gottman, he's a, a therapist, a psychologist, he and his wife. Um, he's studied uh, couples such a, to such a degree from a sociological perspective, but he's a Christian. Um, he's, he's studied couples so often, so much, so thoroughly that he says that he can identify, by simply observing a couple having a conversation for 15 minutes about anything, he can predict with 90% certainty whether or not they'll be divorced in the next three years. 
That's what he claims. Because what he would do is he'd take these couples and put them in an environment where they're kind of like away for the weekend. And he would strap on like uh, EKG machines and blood pressure monitors and just in, they, they know they're being monitored and and just have them live for a weekend. And he could he noticed these things. There were four behaviors that in these couples that he called the four horsemen, like the four horsemen of the apocalypse, because if they were present, that meant the end was nigh. And the first one is critique. Um, There's different than criticism. Criticism would be like, I asked you to bring home the dry cleaning for the last two days. You promised you would and you didn't do it. That's just legit criticism. Critique is I asked you for the last two days to bring home the dry cleaning. You didn't do it. You don't care about anyone but yourself. That's like taking this particular, making a generalization. It's a big attack. Um, the second is defensiveness. And there's three kinds of defensiveness, at least. There's the aggressive defensiveness. You didn't pick up the dry cleaning. Oh, yeah, well, you didn't do such and such. That's aggressive defensive. There is deflective defensive, which is you didn't pick up the dry cleaning. Well, you know what? I was so busy. I had this, this, and this. Okay. And there's also the worst one. I, mean, I think it's the most insidious one where it's... Um, it's the low-grade defensiveness. And maybe you've seen this. And this is one of those things where um, I always ask couples, because we've all seen it. It is the low-grade defensiveness is to watch a couple tell a story about like their weekend or about their Christmas or about their last vacation. Sometimes there's like the, or how you met. Like, oh, I was at the malt shop. <laughs> I was uh, driving my car and, and she was on the side of the road. No, you weren't driving your car. You were in a motorcycle. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Um, I was on a motorcycle. Crazy. I can't believe I forgot that. Thank you for reminding me. And it's just fun versus I was driving my car and you didn't drive your car. It was a motorcycle. Why? Like, what? I'm telling a story, aren't I? Have you ever seen a couple? They, they're telling a story and you're just cringing the whole time because the correction is not happy. The correction is not like, oh, yeah, thank you. It's, oh, why do you always jump in? That low-grade defensiveness is a sign of we don't trust each other. And there's this, this remarkable, because then what I mean, I've seen this in my family a bunch. So speaking of the story, a couple uh, Thanksgivings ago, we were flying down to celebrate Thanksgiving at my older brother's place in North Carolina. And so we came in at different times. I came in way ahead of my family. And there's a big snowstorm. And uh, so I met them at the gate. I'm like, Dad, man, how was the drive? And he's like, ah, oh, you know, no problem. It went slow. And there was, a, there was a car that spun out in our lane right ahead of us. My mom stepped in. She's like, you didn't see that car. He's like, I didn't say I saw the car. He's like, yeah, well, you made it sound like you saw the car. And he's like, I didn't make it sound like I saw the car. And I just like, this is weird. <laughs> but my dad just let it go. And we went on with the rest of the night. The next morning, this is, this is what happens with this, though. What happens the next morning, we're at this Airbnb going to my brother's place after breakfast. My mom's sitting at the kitchen table. And we're all getting ready. And my dad's like, hey, we're going to go over to Mark's place now. She's like, I know. He's like, we're going to Mark's place now. <laughs> I was like, wow, that went from zero to 60. Oh, that was from last night. That was like, that was in the holster. That was in the chamber for since, since the gate when we arrived because this was the low-grade defensiveness where, okay, we're not trusting each other. And they're amazing. They've been married 56 years. But sometimes, right, sometimes it doesn't work out and, uh, perfectly. But there's aggressive defensive, deflective defensive, and low-grade defensive. The third is, so what do we have so far? Critique. Defensive. There's also stonewalling. Stonewalling is, have you guys know what stonewalling is? It's, I never got it for so long until I just kept reflecting on it and then saw it. Here's what stonewalling is. Stonewalling is, um, here's the guy, he goes to the little window and looks out. He's like, oh, little bird out there. And his wife can either say, ah, are you kidding me? When did you, when did you, since when did you get into birds? She could say, uh, I don't care about birds right now. Or she could just go, 
Huh. Or she could say, wait, where? Right over there. Oh, okay. So stonewalling is someone makes a bid. And how you respond to that bid either is I'm acknowledging it or I'm just dismissing it. Stonewalling is just like this, you know. So someone comes home and says, I had the worst day today. You think you had a bad day, da, da, da. So I'm not, first made the bid of saying, I had a tough time, meet me down here. I'm not gonna meet you down there. Or say, I had an awesome day. Like, oh, really, was that good? Or just kind of like, the, the worst is like the, huh. Because the, the bid is, hey, meet me up here, I had a great day. I'm not gonna, stonewalling. The, the insidious thing about stonewalling is you can do it and get away with it. Like, why are you always like this? What do you mean, why am I always like this? I didn't do anything. Exactly. And so one of the things I, I'll, this, this resonates so thoroughly with our couples because they're like, oh man, I can see that. I didn't have a name for it, but I know that sometimes I'm just tired and I, and she made a bid and I didn't want to meet her. Or Mm -hmm. I I knew that I was distracted and he made a bid and I just, I don't care about how the Vikings did, you know, that kind of a situation. I don't care about, (laughs) I get this a lot. Like these women who are like, I don't, don't say another thing about Jordan Peterson. I don't care about Jordan Peterson. <laughs> but the guy's like, Jordan Peterson's my man, you know? And he's like, that's enough. He's making a bid though. I, here's, a, here's a thought I've been thinking about lately. I want to share with you. If she just, huh, that's someone. And what's he going to do? I'm not going to share my thoughts with you anymore because you don't care. So critique, defensiveness, stonewalling. The fourth is the worst. And that's contempt. Now, I don't have to describe contempt because you all know it. The reality, of course, Gottman says, is, and this is what we bring our couples through, all four are going to be present at some point just because we're broken. Like, here's my mom and dad, 54 years. That Thanksgiving, we're broken. It's going to be, but he says, but if we can hit the golden ratio, and the golden ratio is something around five to one or seven to one, acts of kindness, love, respect to every one stonewalling, critique, defensiveness, contempt, then you're going to still be happy. You'll still, be, you'll still have health because there's enough trust here built up that like, yeah, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have said that. I trust you. I, know you. I know you actually love me. I know you actually respect me because the seven to one or five to one, you're, you're putting into the trust bank. You're putting into the love bank. And uh, does that make sense? Sorry, I went on and oh, on. For yeah, that. No, this, is awesome. <laughs> this is awesome. This is really great stuff. This is literally what we talk about in marriage prep. So <laughs> it, it just reminds me, even in our marriage, there's times when you like, we're, we're really close, we're connecting really well, and then there's a stressful time just recently. <laughs> and we're, you know, we're driving out here and kids are sick and it's just, it's hard. Um, but I remember you saying something like, you know, hey, we've been doing really well here, but I, you know, you're, you're getting a little stressed, Ted. And uh, well, it's like, let's stay in the same space, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. do yeah. not leave the building, you know, like. <laughs> Let's bring it down, buckle it in. <laughs> yeah, Give me a so, lot. Yeah, you all complete. You're with each other all the time. Thank you for listening to the first part of Dr. Edward Sree's interview with his wife, Beth, and Father Mike Schmitz. Please join us again next week for the remainder of this fantastic conversation.